Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Hey, hey, hey. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. Uh, the weather is beautiful, birds are singing, plants are sprouting up again, and that means that we're done with a season of anime. The winter 2021 season is done, and even though John can't make it this time, we still watched a pretty good spread of shows, um, especially considering how much attrition from coronavirus existing for <laughs> over a year has has wrought this sort of outcome. So we're going to be slamming through our impressions of the whole run of a whole selection of shows, like a dozen, um, and leave some of the deeper conversations for after the break. Uh, and yeah, we should learn about what <laughs> who felt their time was well spent or wasted over the past three or four months. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of time well spent, let's talk about Non Non Biori's third season, Non Non Biori Nonstop. Which makes me very happy to hear you say that with time well spent. Uh, I've yeah. just been Stockholmed into liking this show, I guess. <laughs> like, I just get to watch like beautiful countryside and just like girls hanging out, and like Renge still gets under my nerve, under my nerve, under my nerves, gets in my skin, um, but on my skin, in under my yeah. But um, everyone else is funny. I find Renge absolutely adorable constantly. I, I have no idea what you're chatting about. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. What, what, what really strikes me is that there's um, she meets a, a, an even younger girl named Shiori in this season. And I'm like, oh, so it's not just that this show makes like little kid characters annoying. It's specifically that Renge is annoying. Um, <laughs> but, other, but otherwise, otherwise, it's a beautiful show. It has a lot of like really striking emotional realism. Even like the second tier characters, all the high schoolers who aren't around and the adults mm -hmm. get lots of good stuff. I love the last episode um with uh with the candy shop lady's like long relationship with Renge and how like protective and motherly she feels towards her despite not being a very welcoming person. I don't know, what y'all think of it? I really like the third season. It really it really felt like they were setting up like, you know, you know, this you know, this is the first time that they've kind of like acknowledged that the future is possible and that, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> Shiori, you know, coming in uh you know, the, the the baby sister that they reveal right at the very end, and they say, Renge, you know, you'll be in middle school when she's going to school. And and just like the general theme of sort of like passing it on to the next generation uh, that was going on, like just throughout the season was interesting. And I'm, I, I've, you know, I've sort of like idly wondered, you know, what would happen if you just try to figure it out, like chronologically how all the episodes line up uh mm. like you know because it all say you know all three seasons take place over the same year uh if it would still work as well because there was definitely like sort of an emotional like you know line through the whole season of like sort of getting everybody ready to go into the future in the last episode you know being the older brother you know graduating and everybody else kind of like getting used to the idea of the new year coming up and that like like I think Andy talked about the first time we talked about Nan Nan Biori is how you know this feels like a show that's intentionally locked in time of this like endless childhood, this endless summer, and now they're sort of mm -hmm. like, you know, it, it was really poignant for the end of this season to be like, and you know, you know, Renge is going to be in grade one now. Like there is a new kid. Like yeah. other people have changed and grown up, and just, know, it was nice. <laughs> I wasn't so sure about whether it was the same year in season three because. In seasons one and two, I didn't think that the brother graduated. I think this is the first time we saw him graduate. So in that case, it would have actually been the second year. Uh, I mean, they just don't show him graduating because that happens in this episode. 
I mean, he's a he's a he's a third he's a third year in the previous two seasons, and isn't mm-hmm. the third year the last year of middle school? Because I'm pretty sure the first two seasons end with them at that big sacra tree, which happens like slightly towards the end of this season. So it's like right before everybody's graduating, and then you know they reverse time and do another season. I'm I'm like 99 sure that this all takes place around the same time because like I'm pretty sure at the beginning of this season they have Renge talking about how this is her first year in kindergarten. I mean, this is something that we could solve with Wikipedia and not a, d- a debate. But <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at Wikipedia and I think that it that they're not complete like everybody is the same grade in this season as they are in previous seasons. So I think it is. It's just that they they never even t- hinted at the possibility that your brother could could graduate and grow up and go to a different school in a different town. I don't know. The, the author is kind of weird. Like, I didn't know this, but Nanan Biori is a spinoff of the author's earlier work, Koakuma Meringue, um, where Hikage is the best friend of uh, the devil's daughter who's going to a Tokyo high school. Wow, so, I didn't know uh, that since I Since I love Hikage, I might, I might check out that <laughs> manga to see her as, like, the best friend of, like, Satan's daughter. <laughs> hopefully she's hopefully she's just as like crass and dumb in that in that manga as she is in Nananbiori because yeah. Hikage is great. She makes me laugh yeah. every time. Yeah. When she's going around trying to collect New Year's money from everybody <laughs> and eventually gets trapped in the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> giving out everyone else's money. Oh yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, there's some real shining moments. And, and like you said, like uh Renge's relationship with Dagashia uh was beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. The birth of like Jitose's new. I thought Jitose int- being introduced was really interesting and uh, fun, and I thought that like, yeah, they it's it's non nonbiori more, and I look forward to a fourth season. Uh, it would be interesting if they did a, everything growing up into a second year. It felt like that was more the way that they were moving uh, at the mm-hmm. end of this anime because they're like, oh, people actually want to see this mm-hmm. fucking thing continue. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think in the you have to sort of take into account its uh, relationship to the, the what's going on with the manga at the moment, which is that it's finally finishing its run. So th- this season where we're seeing characters actually change and uh, go forward and so on and so forth is mm. happening at the same time as they're drawing the manga to a close. And so I think like that's not by accident that they, they have decided to look at these aspects of, of, characters but it, it was it was great though it was a pretty much flawlessly doing what it set out to do i think like you might not say a recollection of the timelessness of youth is like the most ambitious and the or the most uh original of premises is but it, it's just uh perfectly observed mm-hmm. uh, it will be it'll be hard to I think something like that show. The only thing that could happen is if they ever animate Yotsuba. It's like the third episode you brought that up, Andy. You're really, you're really hungry for some Yotsuba lately. I am. I'd love to see a Yotsuba anime. It's never going to happen, but I'd love to see it. Talking about a show that is going to happen, that was also of a similar ilk, but I've had a bit of a bumpier start, uh, Yudu Camp Season 2. Mm. <laughs> I was going to bring that up to like ask if Duncan still felt that it was that Nananbiori was a better, better Euro camp. I never went back to, <laughs> really? to oh, your camp. I was, I was, I was just too put off by the just how touristy the first couple of episodes were. Just how like they felt mm. like, oh, here's an infomercial about place X, which 
I'm told it, it went back away from back to look more looking at the the girl's life. So I, I don't know if Andy can tell us more on that. Um, it still feels like a travel log, and I like that. I really enjoyed the the traveling part of it. So I think the big problem was at the beginning was it felt very much like they were just complaining about how they didn't have any money to go camping, <laughs> uh, and that things that was camping related was expensive, which is true. If you buy it from Caribou, the very heavily advertised real life shop that's <laughs> mentioned all the time in Yurukan. Um, but when they don't do that and then they go, so the, the big things they have like two other basically big camps, uh, two or three, I think. Uh, but this is the thing. When they start actually camping, it's really enjoyable. And it's one of those shows that actually just like non-non-bury romanticizes a particular space in time and sort of a particular feeling about uh, youth. This also um, highlights a feeling of adventure to a degree, but also like really low-key stakes adventures and sort of exploration of Japan and uh, the many beautiful uh, nature stuff that surround it. Um, you have, I think... The big part at the end was they went to Izu and then they went and looked at all the geo spots of Izu, or at least I think 13 of them when there's about 100 plus. And they're all fascinating. They're all really enjoyable. And it was just enjoyable to watch girls react to them. Um, you do get a bit of backstory as well with Nadeshiko going back to uh, going back to her hometown at New Year's. So you get a few things and and then also meeting her old school friend and then Rin also comes to stay for other reasons. Um, but the real thing, the real place that um, Yurukan it shines is when all the girls are together doing a big camping adventure. And that's what it feels like. It feels like an adventure, uh, but with really um, good hijinks and beautifully, again, just like um, Non Non Bury, beautifully drawn locations to the point where you felt that there was a lot of like purposeful wasted expenditures going camping um, for this show <laughs> because they really make it look like you're there. It's really gorgeous. The artwork, the scenery is nigh on picturesque, similar to non non Bury. Like uh, the way that they draw a lot of the food that is within camping, which they focus a lot more on than this season. I felt than last uh, is really, really uh, beautiful and really intricate. And uh, that to me absolutely sold this show. I thought it was agreed, kind of agreed with you. It didn't, it wasn't as good at the beginning. It kind of lost its footing, but when it found its footing and when it found its um, pace, it was really enjoyable. And I recommend hear. you going back and finishing it off, Duncan, because uh, there's a lot there that's enjoyable and fun. Yeah, if only it wasn't in a, a quite busy season gone <laughs> and yeah. uh, quite a busy season to come. Like, mm. I think. This season's had a lot of, of shows which have just been very competent, middle of the range. Um, and like the one I watched of that, which I know none of you did, was um, uh, Heaven's Design Bureau, which was a very, very, very competently uh, animated show. Like just very crisp, very always on model, always impeccably drawn, but never spectacular. Um, I, I watched the first episode of that. I'd agree with you there. It never really... <laughs> Not spectacular. <laughs> yeah, well, it was... Like, the the opening is such a perfect example. Brutal, Andy. It, it, it just... It, like... 
it feels like it's the same verse over and over again mm. and then even the same animation i think like they they went with the idea that um the if you have a, cho- a chorus in in your opening you should have like similar things happening every time the chorus comes up but mm. their character design is very neat and their line quality is very very sharp yeah it just didn't try and do anything spectacular in terms of animation it, it just had um good character design um which like there was slightly uh slightly more i don't know what's the correct word to describe it it felt slightly more Jose in the terms of in the way it's character design. Yeah, I think that's not very much. Yeah, and like it's it's a very strange show because it sits in this weird niche of that its subtext and its its subjects don't kind of reach the same audience. Like its subject is like the strange things animals do, and it's like oh, want to know this is it's amusing fact about uh, uh, jellyfish or these these strange things that um, mole rats do, and you think oh that's clearly aimed at uh, um, six year olds, and then it's its subtext is this is the what uh, people go through at any job where you have to deal with uh, open briefs and the deep and and everlasting despair when someone comes to you and says uh, yeah just do whatever comes to mind and and how uh, office politics and uh, what makes a good client for a creative industries and what makes a bad client but it also it also felt like a show that wasn't fresh like the jokes weren't original or new it felt like to me the design one hasn't i can't think of any shows which have done it Can... I, I feel like it's a very common comedy angle to go why is an animal shaped like this and designed like this it feels like it's it's been done not both of them together, but jokes about how animals look has been done loads of times by comedians. No, Not particularly a show, just in general. Okay, but do the comedians use that as a way of talking about what it's like to to work with, for a client, Andy? Or do they... Uh, is the joke about the animal or is the joke about the person ordering the animal? I'm saying that they're both not fresh. That's my point. Andy, does, Andy doesn't care to make the distinction, I think, is the, is the Thank point you. there. Thank you. <laughs> well, I do, Andy. So, uh... <laughs> God, story of being a host for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of shows that are kind of half-baked and the jokes have been done better in other places before, I watched... Oh, boy, there's so many, there's so many it could be. <laughs> I watched Suppose a Kid Move uh, from the Last Dungeon Boonies Move to a Starter Town. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. That felt very much like they were trying to do jokes of one-punch of one punch levels, but then missing the punchline every single time of not giving you that reveal. And I was just yeah. like, where's the jokes? Where, when's the jokes coming? Oh, well, like, they're not coming. Like, like the concept, like the like the title gives you the whole concept of like, oh, here's this kid mm-hmm. who is like he's the weakest kid from his town, but his town is a town is basically Krypton. And yeah. so he has like superpowers and he's like, Oh, there's like these annoying bugs here and they're they're, you know, giant locusts that are destroying the city and he's just like casually flicking them away and things like that. And like if it was just a gag show, like if it was a show like uh sleepy princess or something like that i think they could have done a lot with that concept but it really tried to be like simultaneously a kind of like horny harem show but Mm -hmm. part of the gag is that the main character lloyd is clueless and they kind of have to do that because if he ever had any awareness of anything that was going on around him none of the plots would happen 
Um, and it became a bit frustrating. I yeah, felt. it, it and became like, really frustrating that he still didn't appreciate how strong he was, and like yeah. it was the same punchline. And like all the like all the female characters, like they have you know one interaction with him, and then they're just in love with him forever, and they never progress past that. Like there's like the belt princess who like you know he casually wipes her face off with a like rune inscribed handkerchief, and the magic belt that's been wrapped around her head falls off you know for her whole life, and she's like. <gasps> he's going to be my husband now. And like, she just like, she like that. That's just the joke for the whole rest of the show that she's in love with him and is like insanely jealous of anybody else, like interacting with him in any way. Uh, and there, you know, and you have the like thousand year old lolly character who like is in love with him for just unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. And it, like, like everybody just like, you know, it's, it just seems like they're just ticking off boxes and to make matters worse. Like the animation is not very good. The character designs are not very good. The plots are not very interesting. Like it's a it's a weirdly plot heavy show that should be just gag driven, and it's it, just like it just it just consistently misses the mark so often. It was so frustrating. Yeah, especially like the first episode when they you know they they she, he goes to have um, a trial to to register for the army, and then they're about to show him like they have the thing similar to to One Punch Man, where you know he goes oh. I punch this thing or attack this thing and we'll assess the damage. And in one punch, it's quite funny because you see the destruction that happens when he punches a thing and it explodes and it destroys like half the fucking building or something dumb like that. And he's like, that's yeah. not even half my power. And you don't see that. You see someone starting to watch him run up and then it, he's like, oh, I've been distracted and then cuts away and walks away. And it's like, who are you following? Who is the main, who is the, what is, what are you trying to show? Cause you're not showing the, bit that i'm interested in which is the joke where he destroys a fucking massive whatever like it's gone and maybe that is the joke maybe that is the the whole point of this show is that you don't see how great he really is but, but everybody is immediately like there's a, like there's a yeah. running gag of the show where like anybody with any competence like s- like senses his overwhelming presence coming from like outside the building and they like immediately go into combat mode and then they see mm-hmm. him and like you know like you know one of the, you know, one of the, you know, members of the harem, like, instantly attacks him and, like, you know, is strong enough to break his rib, but he is like, oof, ow, sorry, I must have surprised you. And then, you know, she immediately is like, oh, I'm going to marry this guy now because he's very strong. And that's just the joke for her forever. But so it's, also, it's not like, yeah. it's not like, you know, there's like, you know, hilarious circumstances like in One Punch Man where, like, nobody realizes how powerful he is because he's so low key. Like everybody instantaneously knows how powerful he is except him. And it's just yeah. like, ah, oh, and like so many of the things it's like, Oh, if somebody had just explained to him, Oh, you should go hit that guy. And then, you know, the, the, the plot would be over and in the first arc. They have like an excuse where it's like, Oh, the people of this, like, you know, divine village of Kunlun aren't, aren't allowed to be involved in worldly affairs. And so like, there's a pretty decent subplot where like, you know, the lost princess Anna has to like try to solve the problems of this kingdom while also not getting him involved, but also, also not wanting to drive him away. And so, and then at the very, you know, she's like, Oh, we're only allowed to get involved if there's like a demon Lord involved. And then the king yeah. reveals that, like, I've been possessed by a demon lord. And she's like, fuck off. Like, oh, why did you just tell me that, like, two episodes ago? And she just, like, runs off and, like, gets him and, like, solves the problem. And it's like, okay, that was a pretty good gag. But then, like, for the next, for the rest of the season, like, that conceit just kind of vanishes. And it's just him being an idiot is the reason why he doesn't just instantaneously solve the problems. It feels like a, also an older way of telling jokes, right? It feels like a, 
it doesn't really want you to wonder or like it it wants to really quickly reveal the joke mm-hmm. uh, and then and then also either take forever to set it up or just no setup at all uh, yeah. it's it's weird i watched two episodes and didn't enjoy it um mm, but I, yeah. didn't, I didn't hate it i just didn't love it it was just eh. I just I, I just kind of like piled through it like out of a weird sense of obligation because like I I knew John had liked it and I wanted to like I wanted to give it a fair shake because like yeah, I knew I was yeah. going to come in here pretty negative but I wanted to be able to like say with authority what happens in this show and <laughs> <laughs> you did better than me Jeff I, I do feel you're uh, you're a little harsh on it it it's in some ways Jeff like it, the question is is like it's not trying to be one punch man it's not trying to be sub- subversive it's interested in the idea of a hero and specifically in the idea of a constructed hero versus like you know the the the, the old old cliche like power corrupts and all that jazz yeah. like, well, like yeah, okay like granted at the very end of like the last episode you get into like the the motivating factors behind the bad guys and it's like you know, this, you know, the world that this show takes place in is like an RPG world, but like a thousand years after the RPG happened, but everything is still laid out in a way to like, for those, you know, balance reasons or whatever. And the, the, the main villain is this like, you know, he was the fated hero from before, but because he was so powerful and perfect, he's never been able to move on from that. And he wants a new hero to be in the world. So he's like, constructing all of these disasters to happen to make Lloyd be the new hero. And it's like, and again, like if that, if there was, but, but it's like a weirdly serious overtone for a show that just seems to also want to be jokes. Like, like Kun Lun, like they go there and it's very similar to the, uh, like the Crimson Devil Village in Konosuba, where it's just yeah. like mm. a whole village of like superheroes, but they're just like weirdly isolated and, you know, the, you know, you know, and they had to like construct a reason of like, oh, like our leader is a dummy and we just like sort of hang out here by ourselves and we just like don't really care about the outside world, you know, but like they also go there and it's like, oh, everybody here is like basically normal. There isn't really a clear reason why these people wouldn't just go out and help someone or like, you know, they have like the last dungeon. And if you have like any awareness of RPGs, it's like, oh, yeah, like the last village before the dungeon you have, you know. Everybody, you know, it, they're surrounded by these like super high level monsters, but you still have normal people living there. So like, yeah, like, like you know, there's a pretty good source of comedy there. But like, you know, the la- then the, like the last dungeon has to have all these other explanations. Like, oh, it's this like it's this super max jail for like demon lords that we've imprisoned over the years, and we want to like open it up to like let them all go. And it's like, okay, I didn't need this much explanation. Like, just make it the end dungeon. Like, you know, like like in Sleepy Princess where you have you know the demon lord's castle and it's just a place that's there and you know the story is happening but you know off screen while you know you're dealing with this princess doing gags and it's like that's perfect like give me a show like that and like 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 the concept would have been great for that but it was just the execution that i thought was lacking yeah it just spent too much time building its harem and having adventures all all the women who he has just impressed by his his sheer good boyishness like he Mm -hmm. he i mean it is sort of interesting that he is not does he's not like a big beefy man he's he's a he's a boy he's he's like a kid he's yeah they're in adventurer school it's like they're like sort of harry potter sort of situation yeah and and i think like maybe 
I wonder if part of me wondered if maybe that's the kind of of era it came about where you had this idea of like a a boy hero and like maybe it's more interested if the chosen one isn't 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 constantly told he's the chosen one that he's kind of oblivious of it but I, it just spent so much time with its hair and it, it ended up meandering and not actually making much use of its interesting concepts which was yeah john would john would feel different i know john very much feels like its habit of always upping the ante works for him he that's his kind of comedy he likes just this leaning towers of absurdity and it certainly did that but i just don't think it sustained any plot momentum going through or any real dramatic stakes so what next <laughs> well, we can go move on to the one that I always confuse it with, which is bottom tier character Tomazaki. Oh yeah, uh, Jeff, you watched that? <laughs> yeah. So bottom tier Tomazaki. Yeah. So I talked about this at the beginning of the season, and it's like I think this is what we were making jokes about it being like seventh generation isekai, where this kid <laughs> who has like you know given up on everything in life except for this like fake uh, Smash Brothers analog called you know tactical family or something like that they just call it tac fam for the whole thing but it's like you know everything about it is just very clearly they're talking about smash he you know he pours all of his like interest and attention into this because he like he respects this as a game because like you know it's been you know it's it's perfectly balanced and it perfectly rewards your effort and everything else and he you know that's the reason why he hates life because like you know he's been dealt a bad hand genetically or socially and you know he's just you know he's so he just like isolates himself. He doesn't want to do anything about it because like, oh, life is a shit game. I don't want to do it. And there's one person who he respects online who is like almost as good as him. And, you know, he decides like, oh, we're going to meet in real life. And it turns out, oh, she's like the most, you know, popular and accomplished you know, student in the school that he goes to. And she's like, I am not satisfied that the person I can't beat at this video game is such a like a layabout drag in the rest of the and the rest of the time. So uh, I'm, I've decided to like, she's all that you to prove that life is, is just as good a video game. Is it an actual video game though? Is it, isn't it like some sort of like a social experiment? Oh, it, it's a movie where like they take a girl who's super hot, has ponytails and glasses and you know, they turn her life the around movie. by making her hot. Yeah. Yeah. She's all that. What? No, Are I'm you... not talking about shizzle that I'm talking about the, no. The... Yeah. He's talking about, <laughs> Oh, the, the video he's game. The anime. He's talking about the anime, Jeff. Yeah, okay. not the... <laughs> I, well, I, I don't care about the story of Shizzle. That I know that one. <laughs> so, okay, so one. I mean, it's it's not a bad guess for Jeff to make that you haven't seen She's All That, Andy. You haven't seen anything. <laughs> well, actually, I haven't seen Shizzle. That I know roughly about it. So. <laughs> so, not, I, just I, aware of it. It's in the I air. watched. I lo- last month. I watched Mean Girls. <laughs> Cracking movie. Why don't tell me about that one Go before? Ahead. Anyway, Go moving on about. Yeah. So, okay. is it an actual video game? Was it a social experiment? Social like? No, no. She's just like they meet in real life, and she's just like he's like, oh fuck, real life, and she and like you know because they they made a big deal about him getting really heated when somebody said like oh the the Smash game is bullshit. You're just using the good character, and he's like, no, you are bl- using that as an excuse, and you're you know to make up for your own failings and then she turns it around on him and it's like that's what you're that's your complaint about life you know and i'm gonna prove to you that life is a great video game and so she's sort of like so like you know she like takes him under her wing and like 
teaches him like the basics of like social interaction and gives him like you know main quests and side quests of like you know you're going to talk to a girl today and you're going to like make a joke that other people laugh at or you're going to be in a group and you're going to get them to do what you want to do and it keeps escalating and then it gets to the point where like he you know she's like okay there's this girl in the class who's like a total mousy like in the corner like she's perfect for your first girlfriend and so he like she like sort of like starts edging him towards that yeah and like and (laughs) and he gets to the point where he's like you know it's like okay you're gonna take her to this festival you're gonna confess to her and he's like whoa 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 like this is getting weird like like i you know i don't want to treat this person as like a you know i'm not just gonna like just like what you know use this yeah. person to like play this game and she's like what are you talking about and he's like well this is fucked up like i don't even know if i actually like her and he's like what are you talking about actually like her we're not talking about that we're talking about like making you better at life and it just turns out she, that she's like patrick bateman or like pete Buttigieg or something where she's just like you <laughs> know she's saying. just like she's just like at like and like throughout the show she's like you know she become you know she wants to be the, the school principal or the uh like the the student council president and she wants to do all these things and like everything is just like oh there you know the idea that you're just chasing what you want to do is bullshit like what you should just be doing is being you know the most striving the most you know accomplished and that's how you like win at life and that's her whole motivation and that's like the point of contention towards the end where he's like you know they're and like you know and that like sort of you know that resolves and he's like oh the reason that you can't beat me at tac fam is because you don't actually care and like i'm putting my feeling into this and you're just like going through the motions and so like you know he pushes back at her and like reverses it again it's like i'm going to teach you how to like find out what you actually want in life and not just like going through the motions to be the most like sought after person and like I just, I basically just like described the plot and I thought there was like an interest. It had an interesting thing to say. I thought like, you know, cause like they sort of like turn around. It's like, Oh, you know, like the game or like pickup artist bullshit where it's like, you know, these are the ins and outs of like how the human brain works in a social situation. But just doing that is not going to make you happy either. It's just going to make you this like mm. weird hollow avatar of humanity that it's not actually you doing something it's just you like work going through the motions it doesn't sound good jeff is it (laughs) i mean (laughs) i thought it was like i thought it was like fine like the like i i enjoyed it like i enjoyed the uh like you know you like you you got like you spend time with like a lot of the different characters who had like you know also like they were like frustrated by their inability to overcome this other you know this other girl and like you sort of realize that like oh she's just like she's a shell and like this thing that like the you know has been built up of the idea of like oh these are just you know just do these things and you'll be a happy person is not actually true and yeah but that's why i had kind of like compared this show to like another isekai where it's like oh you get to start over life and just like follow the rules and be powerful and happy Mm. and this show was kind of like a comment on that i thought and i was like reasonably well executed i thought and like well animated nicely you know on model so yeah yeah, i thought it was interesting enough to keep watching it well talking about shows that i actually enjoyed um (laughs) i i i finished uh dr stone stone wars uh which i honestly i mean y'all don't like it (laughs) I guess that, but I yeah, enjoy it's too it bad a lot. That, too bad that John's not here, so yeah. Fuck, what is the main guy's called? Oh, <laughs> it, it's sunk into your very soul, Say, these characters uh, who've deeply identified with them. 
Oh, well, you can't like he. You can't identify with him. Senku, thank you, Senku. Mm-hmm. Um, Senku, you can't identify with him because he's a genius. Um, but <laughs> you can, uh, you can enjoy what it is that he, this the yarn that he's spinning, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, they introduced a bunch of insane characters, including a cop who had turned super bad, but then he was still in the in um, the bad side, the bad villain guys prison uh and it got resolved that combat got resolved in quite a satisfying and enjoyable way again using the miracles of science uh in ways that was fun and enjoyable uh and then it ended in the most insane ending ever um which as none of you are going to watch it i'm going to ruin it now um i'm just spoilers ahead so spoilers <laughs> ahead so senku and uh sukasa finish their fight senku wins obviously uh and however does not get the uh access to the miracle um nitric acid that he's been looking for which was the whole point of the fight um to revive people because uh, someone blows it up the cave which is fun uh and then um sukasa and senku gets dragged for reasons down a, a river uh and then they have a fight with another character with um, one of the side characters and then Tsukasa gets like punctured in the lung with a spear. Just Oof. like full on is just like, well, I'm going to die. Meanwhile, you actually do find something nice. Again, a way of like humanizing villains is Tsukasa. You find out that he's got a, a daughter, a young kid who he's fighting for. And that's the reason why he's so strong is so that he can keep paying in the olden times the uh, her, her bill. What's up, Duncan? You seem you were laughing. I mean, it's 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 his sister. It's not his daughter. He's like a fifteen-year-old. You're right. I said oh daughter. I meant sister. Yes, his sister. Who he had? You a, she it, had though? a sister, and then got turned into stone, and then the sister aged, and she got turned into stone, and now everyone's no, free. I don't know. So the sister was death-ridden, death on her death like was bedridden. Sorry, not death-ridden. But she, she, was, she, she was ridden with death. Oh, there's so much death in this fucking person. Uh, who was also hilariously called Mirai, which means miracle. Um, so that was very, uh, very on the nose. And then it turns out that she got, because of the magical restoration properties of turning into stone and petrification, she managed to heal her, the injuries of um, whatever it was that was putting her in a coma. And so Sukasa was like, Cheers, Senku. You're the best. We're friends now. Uh, but then Sukasa gets a fucking spear in the lung uh, and then he's on death's door. So Senku freezes him. He puts him in the refrigerator in Stone Age and then freezes him. And then mm. it's like, I'm going to work out how to petrify you. And then I'm going to petrify you and unpetrify you. Because <sighs> in this world, if you do that, you're saved. Uh, and it's insane. And I'm there for it. And the next season, they're becoming stone pirates. So I'm really excited as they go. <laughs> You're not seeing Ben's utter confusion. Because... I'm not confused. This, that's, this is not the expression of confusion, Andy, I'm afraid. This is Just uh... dumbfounded. <laughs> this is letting the sun wash over me and pretend that I'm a lizard on a stone somewhere having a really weird dream. <laughs> because the logic is right. The main, the main battle that he... That, that Senku had with Sukasa is over. They've finished that. So where do they go next? Well, the show is still massively popular. So naturally, they go exploring. Uh, and the logic is, is that if he can go to the 
epicenter of where the explosion that caused the, everyone to turn into a stone. They can go to the epicenter. He could maybe work out what was the thing that turned him into stone. And then he could generate something that turns people into stone. And then he could generate a way to turn Sukasa into stone and then unturn him into stone and therefore save him. Meanwhile, he's stuck in a refrigerator in a cave uh, and it's mental. But I still love it and I'm still there for it. And I still think that the characters, the jokes, um, everything that they do is absolutely top notch. Uh, the combat was brilliant. The stories, that the, um, the stupid science experiments that they do are really enjoyable. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. I think it's a great show. Uh, and I'm excited for Stone Pirates. Uh, Is that what it's called? I <laughs> don't it think be... it's going to be called that. I mean, you say that, Andy, but it's, but this one is called Dr. Stone Stone Wars. So. Yeah. I would hope it's called Stone Pirates. I have no idea what it's going to be called. They're called um, Stone Temple Pirates. Stone Temple Pirates. Oh, <laughs> boo. Boo, yes. Uh, but yeah, Duncan, I... how do you, you escalate that badly? <laughs> oh, dear. But I, I enjoy Dr. Stone a lot. I really enjoy it. Uh, and Duncan must have enjoyed it as well, because if he got that far to know that it's his sister, that's like the second to last episode. I didn't watch any of the anime. I just read the, the manga on a, a whim because John was going on about it. He was like, oh, God right, damn it. Okay, <laughs> okay um, fine. Let's, let's see, see where this goes. And it, from my point of view, the, the, the worst and best part of Dr. Zone is that it has a quite distinctive art style compared to a, a lot of m modern anime and, and manga. It looks different. It's, it's got far yeah. um, more chunky lines, although the way it draws women is pretty horrific. I mean, um, the way that any mangaka draws women is pretty horrific at times. Yeah, like, have you there's, seen there's... One Piece? It's literally okay. like <laughs> balloons on a stick. Uh, same with slime. Should we take that chance to escape to slime? <laughs> yes. I was already, already going to do a slime transition of being like, oh, hey, it's a shonen show with no like yeah. lasting consequences. Yeah, to... let's, let's go to slime. And oh, what? So this is the second season of that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Mm -hmm. um, it's done technically because there is a second season part two coming out eventually. And we're getting the slime we... diaries in between. So it's, it's nonstop oh slime. I watched the first two episodes. Uh, the first episode was a complete recap. And the second episode was a recap of the recap. And then it went into something which I swear they didn't mention in the recap, which was actually interesting. And then it ended with a fight. And I was like, I don't know whether I have the will to continue watching this show. It's a bit boring. <laughs> and they don't seem to know what's interesting about its own fucking show. Yeah, its pacing was just completely shot to pieces in the second season. Yeah. Like, it, I, I wonder if it's because the first season did so well they that they decided that they wanted to get a certain number of arcs done and to basically be broadcasting non-stop. That is why we get this, then a season of Slime Diaries, then the other half of this. Yeah, Because the end of season one had so many interstitials where they're like, we're not going to talk about this bit here. We're not going to talk about this bit here. The OVAs was, just... was all just like, hey, here's some stuff you'll want you you'll probably want to know about in two years. So we're just going to throw it out here now. You can check it out when you want to. It's so frustrating because like, it does that at the first second <laughs> episode. It's like, we forged an alliance with the Demon King, but we, you don't need to know about that. And I'm like, yeah, I do, actually. That sounds interesting. How did that happen? I don't remember that happening in season one. Like, and then apparently it does. I, I must have missed it. Like, when did yeah, that happen? I mean, I think a lot of it is is a combination of A, reassuring its readers that stuff's going to happen. 
Like it's it's don't worry, we'll get round to covering that sometime soon. And a lot of it it being just that it has had a really bad transition from uh written media to uh, uh screen media. Like there's this whole thing that the pacing in written and uh uh drawn media is just far more reader controlled and yet more controlled by the pace that a publisher puts out works so the amount of time that it would have took to publish what we've seen of slime so far would have been three four years maybe but the amount of time that that takes to be shown on screen is a couple of months and so there's this way you storytell when you are in episodic publishing, which is a lot slower than you you tell when you are doing episodic TV. And Slime, I think, is something where it has a story which would work well when you're, you're putting out a chapter every couple of weeks and it covers a few events. But when you condense that, when you have all what what might happen over the course of a month or two into one episode it suddenly feels incredibly rushed like it's that moments of comedy and uh dramatic tension and character peril just all blur into one like and the this season was a particularly bad offender because it it had the the moment where literally he's slaughtering 10,000 people all one moment and while ha- happy adventurous music play plays over the meeting beforehand i mean i mean the the, mur- the murder scene happens with like kind of a, a slightly wistful like ballad song i feel like it's a very it's the tone there is so strange but isn't that also kind of frustrating because you're just talking about the massive success of slime and it is really successful and it feels like why are they why are they doing this it could go on like they've got they've got like an interstitial like, why do they even need the interstitial? Why don't they just, like you said, just make it slow and methodic? It makes it because more frustrating. It, it's, it's that faithfulness to the um, the source material. If they wanted it to feel a similar pace to the, the way the source material did, you'd have to put stuff in there to, to change the, the way the show is paced. Because if you're, if you're reading a chapter at the start of the month and then another chapter at the end, there is time for you to digest to think about that and then read the other but if you slam those two together and they become one episode there's no way you can maintain that same pacing and separation of emotional beats unless you add something and people do not like it when when that you add something i'll talk about uh promise neverland a bit later but and people really do not like it when you add something but i haven't i mean i haven't read the slime manga or the the light novel, but surely it still follows the process of a story. Surely there's still plot beats between those two chapters that they can use to yeah. tie. They're not completely separate entities. And even then, we've got shows which do do like episode one is one half of something, and then episode two is a completely different thing. Like it's yeah, not I like th- they couldn't do it. I think we what we saw with the first season of Slime was that the fandom was really resistant. Like, everyone wants all of their, like, best moments in the manga or the light novel to be hit. And I think that they're literally... They're ultimately, in the second season, sabotaging the pacing of their own show to make sure that everyone's favorite fan service moment 
um, or character development moment gets hit. I think that's what it is. How many times did Rimuru have like misty uh, fantasies of reuniting with Xion in Slime? Like he like literally every episode there was a sequence where a ghostly Xion would appear or like it would cut back to her dead body. Like like there like there there is fan service for them to hit, and that means lots of recaps. That means lots of like weird slow pacing. Just so everyone gets that moment where what's his face? Benny Maru like has to say that Xion's cooking is bad again. Like it's all got to be there because it's in the book. It's like I feel like it is just like the worst case scenario for adaptation where you have a very a very picky fandom who just wants to see all of their favorite parts of the book animated in Mm. order. I mean, if not, you have to you have to put it in an OVA and apologize a bunch. I'd so. agree with you for like season one because they didn't know they were going to get a season two. But now they've got not only have they got a season two, but they've also got like these weird like mini interstitials. Like this show mm. is going to run. Like why do they need to do it now when it continues? So my... I, I think publishers are, are a distinctly easily spooked beast. Like they do mm. not they do not have faith in their own pro- product. Like yeah. it could be gone in like they they've probably too many times seen shows. As soon as the manga ends, the fandom just disappears and the show just tanks. Like they've seen, probably seen it happen far too many times, and so they're determined. Yeah, like yeah. while this is is popular, we're going to make sure we get our blood out of this particular uh, stone. Yeah, <laughs> and our Doctor Stone. Yeah, and <laughs> it just led to such strange tonal shifts. And I've I read the manga, uh, and the fact is, is like in the manga they. After he comes back to the the town, he he he's told, okay, yeah, this this disaster's occurred. We've been attacked, and he asks, okay, where's she on? And it's like, uh, they they brush it off and they d- don't show it. And then they w- walk him to the town square, and there is everyone who has been killed laid out together, including her. And in in the um the anime they break it up they introduce him to everyone else who's been killed and then later only later does he find out that Xion's also been killed and it's like why do you have you've got for some reason you have to separate him being upset about every other character uh, and every other citizen being killed and Xion being killed like to make it a this separate it thing like there's that is it, is it? I can't remember if it's a, a, a Mao or a Stalin quote. Like, one death is a tragedy, 10,000 is just statistics. And it's like, one death in this is a tragedy and 10,000 is a level up. And it's like, just such yeah. a strange dissonance between how it tr- treats... Like, because you've got... In any show, like, this, this decision to kill 10,000 people when one of your big rules so far is we're not going to kill humans because I, I used to be a human and I want don't don't want people harmed. I want people to think good of monsters instead of bad of them. And then it's, it's, it's like, no, I'm just going to have to kill 10k because that's what this particular spell requires. And he just There's a rumour. There is a rumour, yeah. an old story With based a two, on a rumour. Uh, which gives him a 2% chance. And he does that. Three percent. Yeah, three percent. I, 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 I'm sorry, I, I, I lowballed that. Like, how could I? Um, yeah. And he, he just does it. It's no hesitation. Just does it. No, no. Um, and it's kind of, kind of just 
Would a better show not be highlighting the fact that he's turning more into a monster and less into a Yeah, that'd be called Overlord. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which is, like, and I didn't think, like, I did not think, like, Overlord is not a subtle show in many ways, but it does have, like, this really interesting thing going on with the character veins and the player veins slowly merging and losing mm. this distinction between each other and there's mm-hmm. we're not really given anything like that with Rimuru he's just this is who I am and okay I guess this is what I do and he's and he never comments upon it it's just okay I guess this this is what he does now and in both shows they put this big uh emphasis on the power of giving something an an individual name in it like um Mm -hmm. the way in slime that uh creatures level up is if someone gives them a a, an individual name so then don't become just a goblin it becomes gobata and he levels up because he has a name and like one of the, one of the sweet scenes in the first season is he he names an entire goblin village and it exhausts mm. him. And that's the start of this whole thing was he meets uh, Vel- Veldora, the storm dragon, Veldora Tempest, and the way he progresses from just being a slime to this more powerful being is that he sh- Veldora sh- shares his name with him. He gives him the Tempest. He becomes Re- Rimuru mm. Tempest. And like there's been this big thing about how accepting someone into your family giving them a name making them not just a, a, a making them that one person rather than just that this thing is like an important part of of what slime has been doing and that he's been extending this to everyone he does the same with the orcs he does the same with the dragon he meets he treats all all these people all these peoples who had just been Dragon Newt number 26 and and Orc number uh, 367 different. He, he gives mm-hmm. them names. And then it comes to humans who have names and he just goes, gonna kill you. It's just so, so out of, co- of character with the way that the show has been pushing back against the idea that here a monster's just to be killed to level up and he just kills humans to level up yeah and they're, it's they're just, just different monsters yeah yeah and it's just <laughs> i don't know it's just like a it's not not good i i like i feel like maybe the, the author felt he needed dramatic tension wanted this big thing but it just i don't know it's i just don't think it's good no, I, I I agree. You assume that all the humans have names. They could just be human one, human two, human three. Although we have been to a dwarf, dwarf town and they do all have names. So there you go. It's it's just to show that, like, from the very beginning, my issue with, with that time I got reincarnated as a slime is just that, that Rimuru's good intentions are supreme and inarguable. And, uh, like, there's never any real any real uh consequences like one would think that expanding too fast and like having this like very naive um direction towards humans which i think we joked about duncan when it came out it was like i never thought that humans could behave like this and like Rimuru, you lived in the world you, uh, <laughs> you were a human being like did you did you never read the newspaper did you not go to yeah. school like like how do you how do you think like i didn't know humans could be didn't know humans could be so cruel. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, and like, how did you get here, Rimuru? Well, I, I, yeah, <laughs> you were stabbed by a human who tried to stab your friend. 
and you got in the way of their blade. And so just like I thought that like this massive alliance between the the Western Church and this neighboring all human kingdom and this one particular demon lord, Clayman, was going to force Rimuru to like make a change. But it feels like instead what happens is you just like, OK, so humans are bad here. Got it. OK, so they're the bad ones. I'll just kill the humans. That's fine. Um, and the way that like. The way that he when he's executing this entire 10,000 person army and people are trying to surrender to him or trying to beg and he's still like, no, I'm thinking I'm going to kill you. And like, I don't know what, how I'm supposed to. I mean, I do know how I'm supposed to feel about Rimuru. I don't know how they think how what Rimuru's done is supposed to connect to how the show obviously wants me to feel about Rimuru, because someone who shoots pe defenseless people who are surrendering is the bad guy. It doesn't matter. Like, maybe they're racist. It's still it's still like a war crime to kill to kill somebody who is a defenseless and trying to surrender yeah. to you. But like we're just we're supposed to be so fixated on reviving Shion and some some random goblins um, that like we don't even think about. Like it's literally just like a protracted level up scene when he becomes a demon lord to get those resurrection powers. He, it's he, entirely a power fantasy. Yeah, he literally gets a skill called ruthlessness from it or, and so, or something. And it's just so... So out of character with what made him interesting as... Like, this naivety in a ruler is, like, an interesting thing. Like, okay, what price is he going to have to pay for that? And maybe he has to live with his bad choices. No, he doesn't have to live with his bad choices. He'll just kill some people emotionlessly and, and undo those bad choices. So they have no, yeah. no actual impact on him. And it was just... Uh, nope. Yeah, it's we well in a show where we have been like Rimuru's um kindness, patience, generosity and naivete are seen as as the the traits that make him more worthy as a ruler than other than other rulers in this world and like it doesn't seem like those are traits that are integral to his to, it just it seems like he's lucked into just being a nice guy cuz he's so powerful he can afford to be nice and we see when he's when his power falls short he commits genocide <laughs> full stop that's that's it so like so like what is how are we supposed to think about him and the answer is like we're supposed to think it's cool that he could kill 10,000 people effortlessly but i don't like that i don't like that feeling it's not what i like about slime and john Does would of course be like you don't like anything about slime but no I, I do like some things about slime um and and watching rimuru put a bullet through every single person's head in the course of a 10 second sequence is not 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 my thing not my jam i don't I don't want to cheer for this guy. Is it like a big explosion or does he literally go to every single person and be like, dead, no, dead, he, dead, dead, dead. he puts, he puts like floating slime clones and they each just shoot laser beams that can change direction in midair. And they just put a, they just put a, a hole in every single person's head. You just watch what him systematically fuck? kill literally thousands of people just one by one bullet in the head, 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 automated, Jesus. automatic. No one, no one can do anything to intervene it. He's just sitting there on his stupid demon wings, just like hanging out. Watching, watching thousands of people die. I and like, but was the tone that there's going to be repercussions for this, or was the tone like, <laughs> good, good guy, Rimuru? <laughs> it's it. As as like as yeah, you, you said, can take the, they just basically shrug it off as oh, he had to do it. Mm. Yeah, it's That's yeah. He's he's been he's been pushed. Their violence has has given them a blank check for unlimited retaliatory violence, and I think that. We watch when we watch Rimuru struggle with it. We're supposed to struggle with him, and when he decides that it's worth it to bring Shion back, 
to bring big titty ogre back then then we're supposed to be like that's 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 Rimuru's done thinking about it why would we think any longer uh, than than Rimuru who is seen as supremely good and patient uh can we have like a, a s small moment just to like I don't know either salute or or, or just yeah probably salute just because the sheer gumption to actually decide so you you this moment we're going to cut back in the final episode of the season you we're going to uh show that this cat has been resurrected and reintroduce her to to the audience what how are we going to do it well we're going to do it with a shot where basically her boobs take up three quarters of the screen and and it's just it's just so bad. It's 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 Reamer's it's Reamer's beloved perspective. He loves to sit on Shion's lap and not be able to see her face because um, someone came through with with some beach balls and a staple gun. So traditional anime further. So traditional, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, but this it was like the absurd of it. It was so bad. And it's I don't know. I feel like it's probably going to get dropped by me. Like it hasn't done enough to. If certainly if it's in a season which even approaches is vaguely strong, I probably won't, won't bother coming back to it. Which is sad because there's characters. It's it's ended with the one character who I whose short interactions with Rimuru I really enjoyed, which is Veldora coming back like this this incredibly energy filled old dragon. Just my my best bud dragon and his slime friend hijinks and they don't even have the good like it shows where their priorities are that is all that they do is reveal that that's happening and then cut to credits like they don't even right, give him give, the end they don't even give him a, a moment to like be like the goofball he he is like that's what's so adorable about Veldora is like he's this huge incredibly powerful dragon and he's just this lonely goofball and like they don't even just wants to be loved yeah, they don't even give him a moment to do that. Instead, instead, it's it's straight to the next one, which maybe we should do now. So, yeah, I, I yeah, can't I remember if any uh, of, of you guys also watched I'm a Spider, So What, or if it was just me in the end. I, I watched like two episodes and I just <laughs> got a bit bored. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've heard that one before about three times in, in this episode. So. That's going to happen a lot this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so. Once again, Isekai, uh, particular spin of this one is while most of Kumiko's class get reincarnated into a Isekai adventure of their dreams where they're part high-ranking members of a court, who like a prince or a, a mage or a, a priestess, and live the easy life as, as rich magic using aristocrats she gets reincarnated as a tiny spider as part of this huge brood of of skittering in low level monsters and tries to get eaten by every single thing in this massive dungeon and we follow her as she tries to basically stay alive and the arc of this season has been her going from predator, prey to predator um from start to end and it's okay it was a, it was not i've i i think me and john very much enjoy the uh manga because it's entirely from her uh her perspective like just this person trapped from any any other 
uh, social contact, like just completely on her own in this massive continent-spanning dungeon, just trying to to keep going and and just getting to the stage where she she picks a skill called Parallel Mind, basically so that not just so that she can have to split her, her mind into two to, so she can do two things at once but so she's got someone to talk to is the real reason like she's <laughs> and i think and one of the things which probably is truest about out the transition is that still the best thing is the is the inner person multiple inner personalities of the spider uh, and her performance by um Ari Yuki who just completely and utterly carries the show just a full hard carry um like if you take her out it's it's not worth watching you have her in and every scene she's in is enjoyable like she's just got this incredible pace to her, her performance like speaking so quickly and and so able to turn on a dime in terms of tone in her voice like it's just absolutely uh tour de force voice voice performance and just enjoyable for that alone worth watching but i as i say it's it's wholly on its va i don't think it's it's got enough to recommend it in its its story it's just wholly for the performance and that's that's about john john would have more to say but that's that's my impression of it like Ayuki is just a, a rock star and deserves every penny she gets for that season because it, it doesn't exist without her. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you. So, so speaking of isekai, I guess show by rock stars is technically an isekai. I can knock <laughs> this out, one out really quickly. I mean, it's a girl about a girl who gets yeah, no, it's an reborn in a Sanrio cell phone game. Um, so when show by rock stars was advertised, I thought it was going to be some like big crowning jewel in the show by rock franchise because it's going to have the original show by rock band and the uh mashi Myresh from the spinoff meet and hang out and i guess that's what it is they didn't <laughs> like there's no plot like a monster shows up in the first episode and then then like the very last episode when they're going to put on a concert together the monster shows up again and the solution to the monster is let's keep playing music it'll it'll calm down the monster which is what happened what? So, <laughs> so it's mostly just about that's how much the, do you enjoy. That... Shocking. Sorry, I'm blown over. Yeah. That's how they thought yeah. they'd resolve that no, issue. No, it's just funny that like like they could have the monster like come back like mid season and like build a bit more tension and not just have me every single episode go like I wonder when the monster's going to come back because <laughs> there was a monster and they went they they like went to court and had to prove that they didn't summon the monster and destroy the town um, when the monster appeared and destroyed the town and it just never comes up again and instead they like go to a hot springs. Or go to a tropical island, or um, get in a fight and then make up. Um, it's I don't know. It, it, either you're on board with the characters and the conceit and the weird CG uh, music sequences, which are which appear less in this season, and I'm really upset about that. They yeah. made me get used to them, and now they're not having them come up as much. That's that's cheating. That's a shame. <laughs> the actual CG in those but, are really beautiful as well. Like, they're really lovely CG moments. Yeah, it's it's and it's not like super it's not like super realistic or anything, no. but it's just like Sanrio firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, totally. But no, it was. I mean, I, I saw the characters. It was nice. I like. Um, 
uh, Dokun Joe Finger, the the band of the four delinquents from the most delinquent school in 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 the country, um, who are forced to get together and they either perform in a band or they get expelled from their school, and so they just all hate each other and they fight all the time. And one of them's a cheater, and one of them's like coughs blood up all the time. It's very that's very funny. All the characters are fine. It's just like how much twee humor are you in the mood for? Uh, <laughs> and the answer for me was a little bit. It's been a year, you know. <laughs> It's a good time. Not, 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 not it's been a year in terms of time. It's been a year in terms of, of, uh, of subjective emotional experience. So I was fine about having like Delmine, the, uh, the, the devilment dragon um, who can shoot lasers out of her head when, when everyone's stressed out for the concert and like her horns are sparkling and they're like, uh oh, is that okay? And she's like, no, my laser's just messing up. And they're like, is that bad? And she's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's the whole joke. She's like, no, it's just, it looks bad. I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of level of joke. Uh, the B guy like sticks his butt up in the air and says he's a unicorn. Then the rest of his bandmates beat him up because they're the <laughs> delinquent band. That's the, yeah, I don't know if that's the kind of humor you're looking for. Show by rock has it in spades. And I guess there's going to be another season. They seem to like be like, there's more where that's coming from. So look forward to mashing my rush too someday, I guess I'll be there. I'm four seasons in now I'm trapped four seasons plus a season of shorts. So 4.5. Yeah, forever. So, yeah, speaking of Trapped, uh, who ended up watching Promise Neverland 2? <laughs> well, as I, I, um, me- me- I mentioned that earlier as a show where they took a, a, do- a approach to adapting it, which was, okay, we have a huge and massive manga here and we can't adapt it all, so we will diverge from it. We'll have an original anime story here. We'll try and cover the same beats, but we'll do it in a different way. Having spent an entire season in basically the confines of one house and its grounds, like the characters venturing out into this strange world and its threats and its environment. Like they had some nice little bits of storytelling about the way this world works. Their big twist and probably the big moment where it's ran into uh, problems is when it took the the main villain of the first season was their um, mother slash jailer Isabella who was basically the overseer of this children's home slash farm for the children who were being farmed for monsters which was like the big big reveal of the the first season um and season two is them going out into the monsters world and trying to make their way but they're of course all genius children and so it's geniuses versus it's mind versus is is just this beastly strength of these monsters and and the world and that's sort of interesting for a moment but what it kind of gets boring quickly um there's only so many times you someone can outsmart someone who's being dumb like it's it's not a, a formula which is easily repeatable once it's happened once that's done and so what they tried to do to um ca- counteract that was by bringing Isabella back in a way which doesn't happen in the manga like saying okay she's going to become basically begin if you fail in your job in this society as one of these mothers 
you have the uh, explosives in your neck detonated and you're, you're killed. And so she's basically given one last chance, right? If you recapture these children, we will we will not only remove the this this charge from the the, the your neck will let you go, and like this idea of her being sent out back out to to hunt them down, like someone who was herself a genius among among geniuses and has like human malice rather than this unfathomable. A demon mind as a antagonist was like kind of interesting it was like oh this seems quite it this is this is interesting this isn't just going to be about shock sh- shocking people with oh here's here's the monster closet out jumps the monster goes Aah! everyone goes ah runs away and then someone does something smart instead we've got this coldly implacable person tracking them down and the community hated it and so the co- Production and so the production committee panicked, and so you got the worst of both worlds. So you got them <laughs> um, panicking so much that they they basically decided, okay, we can't that. A, we're not we. This has tanked the popularity so much we won't be able to do more seasons. So we have to wrap it up quickly, and B, we need to to go back and cover the same plot points which the original one did. Except we're not just going to try and do the same amount of time. We're going to try and condense all future seasons into the remaining four episodes. Yeah, that worked well. Um, So, yeah, it had a notably car crash final third. Like, it was just just bad. And I I, I feel a bit sad for them because they were obviously trying to do something in that preserve the spirit of of the source material which is brave but they that the problem is they didn't hold hold that 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 braveness they 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 in this game of chicken with the community they they swerved <laughs> swerved left into the into the side of the road and and horrible crash ensued and it's yeah it's was, it was just very sad to see them trying to to be all things to all men and just conclude everything as quickly as they could with whatever contrivances they could. And so it ended up pleasing no one. It didn't please the, the people who wanted it to be faithful to the original, and it didn't please the people who wanted it to try and tell its beats within its own media in its own way. And, yeah, um, it's, it's kind of sad that that's that's what we got from it um is that the end of it then like there there's not going to be any further media from, they from, just, from what they it just, looks like they've they've completely they burned down their house yeah essentially <laughs> they they john i know john was a bit upset with some of what the way it did the first season and he'd probably yeah. be extremely upset with how they they ended it and i, th- I think anyone who who either was a fan of what they were doing with the anime or of the of the of the manga everyone's going to be upset now because it's it's failed them both and i don't think it's anything the creators have done it's it's the production committee it's like this is wholly uh, a mess wrought on the boardroom level this is this is what happens when those people panic instead of where they they know they've only got one season of this manga greenlit 
and they they have to to cash in while they can and they see the community reacting badly against it and they just completely panic and chuck everything out right yeah uh, i mean there's there's more i could say but i don't think it's it's worth going into it like that's a shame though cuz like for such a show that was so popular and the manga was really popular and i think even though it ended feel fairly premature maybe more prematurely than the uh, animation studio wanted it to be it still was popular all the way up to its end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's insane that they've decided to go down this completely original yeah. animation route. I th- I think like that that decision like to attempt to tell the story in a way which was more faithful to the media is one to be applauded generally because slime's an example of what happens when you go wrong with that, where you just stay slavishly faithful to what the audience want. You just get this thing which is just trying to bring one media to another note for note and it doesn't work and yeah they just chickened out and i think that's the that's the one thing to say about it in the end i feel that maybe they're more panicking because the manga had ended and if the manga had ended then like you've said before you know usually the life cycle lifespan of this show will dwindle dramatically so they thought well shit we're not going to get a third season anyway we might as well provide a weird like catch-all because you're not going to be able to animate four episodes off the from the eight episodes that they had of run-up when the season started well just just to move on like to uh another show which didn't (laughs) adapt all its source material but decided to tell a tale within that greater arc itself which was self-concluded let's quickly talk about other side picnic which i think once again only i watched and jeff watched a few episodes i watched one episode it was okay (laughs) i didn't hate it i just didn't love it so at the start of the season i talked about how this was a show which had a name which played on the idea of uh, roadside picnic uh, mm-hmm. a famous science fiction uh, novel which dealed with like uh, the incomprehensibility of the alien and this show just didn't do any of that <laughs> despite <laughs> many many homages to it like many homages to its uh, ancestry it was far more interested in this angsty love tale between two girls mm-hmm. yeah like it really seemed like they were like you were saying like definitely other side picnic or uh, roadside picnic was a touch point, but what they mostly took away from that was, Oh, we'll have like weird SCP monsters and we'll have like a dilapidated Eastern European looking like dream world that they always go to, which I th- it seems like that sort of vibe is becoming more popular now just because so many video games that have been yeah, spun off yeah, of like I weird, Eastern European <laughs> like simulation, like military simulations have sort of like made that look sort of ubiquitous, like, like PUBG and stuff like that. But like, like you were saying, like it didn't really seem to be interested too much in that and more in the dynamic between these two characters. And when I dropped off, like I mostly dropped off because it's also like the production itself yeah. seemed really shonky and really yeah. uneven. It was most most shonky the sort of early third like it sort of found a vibe in the, its mid to late season i think 
it 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 didn't learn the the jaws lesson early on it, it was showing the monster too often like mm. it was it was just like here are the these weird dwarf children which inhabit this 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 village isn't a cgi terrible yeah that last part obviously not being what they intend to say but that's what we actually get out of it mm-hmm. um whereas later on it's mostly traditionally animated uh, things although with a few cgi things thrown in when when necessary, and equally a few shots of the girls use CGI, but less intrusive as the season went on. Um, yeah. I stayed with it till the end because it still had a sort of reasonably interesting um, tale to tell about uh, Sorao and Toriko's uh, sort of relationship. And the, the, the central mystery at the start of the show is, okay, so Sorao's found herself in this, this weird... Uh, other side as they call it this this sort of dimension which is parallel to ours and you have to f- get to it through this strange elevator which you press the buttons in the right right order and it's inhabited by all these these beings from urban myth and from as you say from copy pasta and and mm-hmm. and such online she meets uh, Toriko there who is this beautiful bl- blonde-haired blue-eyed uh uh, girl and who rescues her from from her in her eyes. She's she's just literally lying in a a, a puddle of water, contemplating will anyone even realize she's missing? Like that central question of the way she sort of latches on to Toriko as like this ball of energy in her life, and how um, Toriko is for this uh, tutor sort of mentor of hers and like it's very strongly implied like she was in either corrupted or warped in some strange way throughout you you keep thinking are, are they leading up to a answer to this question of who is this person who uh, Toriko's searching for and who Saro is immensely jealous of and it it in the end it doesn't answer that and for the better it instead it, it has um Toriko coming t- to terms with not defining herself as a person who is searching for this one person who made her life f- her feel all valued as uh, in this life we're allowed to see that she was going through the same things that Sarao was and it was kind of sweet seeing them switching from this quest to answer a question to a personal arc rather than a um, mystery show. And I think there's probably a lot of people who were like, God damn, I wanted to know who this person was. And oh, you, you just get a, a show about people in the end. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I'd recommend because I don't think it, it sells itself on what it actually is, but it was all right. The backgrounds were quite beautiful as well. I thought some of the background uh, backgrounds of the other world was quite impressive. The final thing I'll say is I do like that the final boss they fight is this huge snake woman. Like, she's like this massive Gorgon type thing. Like, they're they're through contrivances in there with an entire platoon of American soldiers. And they're there unloading all their guns at at this massive Gorgon. And the the reveal that they find out because uh, one of them's 
eyes can actually see the true nature of 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 monsters and what what's shown in the other side is this isn't a a snake woman this is basically a a, a series of geometric shapes and then the way to defeat it is by cracking the geometric shapes rather than shooting the snake woman and i thought that was actually kind of enjoyable take on the the unknowableness of of stuff which um something like other roadside picnic actually has like it's the truly weird isn't a giant snake woman it's a rectangle which wants to kill you that that pleased me as like a final payoff even though the rest of the show itself did none of that yeah cool let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back to talk about uh the four big shows this season at least insofar as what we have been watching and talking about we're talking about uh, jujitsu kaisen horimiya uh ReZero second season, right? I don't know the 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 yeah. like demarcation for the different yeah. seasons of ReZero and Wonder Egg Priority. So see you in a second. second half as promised we're going to start with horimiya which has been a frequent topic of discussion over the past few episodes but mm. now we've come to an end there are 13 episodes so some of us may not have come to an I've, end i've not come to an end i've well yeah, i've come to an Indian, end i'm not talking about you i but i mean it's not like i haven't wanted to unlike the other ones i just took care of and like horimiya I, I really enjoy and i think that uh, the way it's kind of progressed as i mentioned before to other people's relationships has been enjoyable um, and I I look forward to it. Presumably not going to get a second season. I can't imagine it. it yeah, it, you haven't seen the end, but it, it it ends ends. No adventures continuing. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, they were like, we've graduated now, and now the whole world is in front of us. So, like, I mean, they could okay. do like the college years or something. But I thought they were in second year. Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think I think they actually like. I think they just careened through the third year in the last episode, don't they? Oh wow, really. That's a choice. I think it's like the last couple of episodes. Like, it definitely goes from second to third year and really... Like, I have ended up disappointed with Horimiya, <laughs> which I think may may get me hung, drawn, and quartered in the, these environs, but I felt like it early on it did this really good job of introducing this cast of characters through these moments we just get to nose in into the, their life where people's different every days intersect and mm -hmm. even at the end Miyama uh, comments on that about how his entire love with Hori wouldn't have happened if not for this one moment where something had just happened as a this, this coincidence this her him finding her her brother and taking him home if it hadn't been for that he wouldn't have made his friends he wouldn't have uh, come out of his shell and in the end like that ended up as like a call out of of what the show ended up doing wrong because it started out by doing exactly that by just giving us this slow pace of how these characters are starting to to have their lives interlock and by the end it was just crashing through mo to to this graduation there's this deadline it has to hit of when they go out into the the world 
like there's this 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 idea of of like a char- a really good character is one who you believe continues existing when they go off screen like this idea that they have interior lives and they have lives outside what you see and that that you can be made to believe that and at the start of homie the way that everyone's lives started intersecting was interesting because there were these these implied forces behind their lives which were driving them to intersect and by the end though it just felt like okay we're just gonna keep showing you these little moments but it's just gonna be now slice of life stuff which is which is kind of in a stasis in the same way something like non-non-bury with it didn't have the same development or um friction to it and i ended up a little disappointed anyway <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like the the show starts off and you're following pretty much exclusively hori and uh, miyamura and as the show progresses it's sort of like their relationship gets to a point where like okay we're we're together now and then it branches off and sort of gives a basically every other side character the same kind of treatment and their relationship at the beginning it kind of reminded me of karakano where they're very interested in like this is the person's public face this is the person's private face Mm. and Mm -hmm. you know it's just through accident and happenstance that these two characters meet each other's like real selves and then that's what kind of sparks their relationship yeah yeah and then every other character you know there's like you know the, the the tall tough guy with the short hair and it turns out that he's like kind of a you know, a sappy crybaby, or there's like the loud guy who at home is very like stern and taciturn and like his little sister, when she sees his like school persona is like, are you even the person that I think you are? Or like, you know, one girl who's like, Oh, I love this guy. So I'm going to like concoct this, like, you know, cockamamie scheme to like get him to pretend to be my girlfriend because this other guy is interested in me and her like not being able to like be honest with herself. And like, you could bet you could be, absolutely justified in being annoyed that the show does not continue just to be about you know Hori and Miyamura considering the show is called Hori Mia yeah. but I, I think that was mostly what it was interested in and in doing that I thought it was pretty successful but every time it just introduced them and then we never got any more friction in their relationships we never got to see their their like it's fine to go for breadth instead of depth like mm-hmm. like that's quantity has a quality of its own as, as as they say but i thought like we just got a very tantalizing look into these characters which is maybe the point it's like read the manga to find out more people <laughs> <laughs> and it's like mm. i'm kind of interested to go back and watch the old horimiya which it was a, this is apparently a remake because there's like it isn't like an excessively long manga it's like 15 volumes which is not like wildly long and the other like show was like not super long either six episode ova yeah so like well it, it, yes but but uh two of them haven't come out yet so <laughs> 12 one one in 2012 one in 2014 one in 2015 one in 2018 and there's gonna be two in 2021 so so yep. like it doesn't seem like we've missed out on a lot but and and i'm, I'm guessing it's probably probably you know similarly like treating everybody else unless they you know go into college and it becomes a whole thing like uh i can i can't think of something that's like that god what is that saved by the bell <laughs> that's what i was trying to think of of course that famous yeah when they go to college and it's just basically just the same show but they're out there in college i mean 
like the the college exclusive version of it's probably Honey and Clover. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Though to its credit, nobody in Horimiya is in love with a mental ten year old. I'm looking at Remy and I'm I'm like. Mm. She does like I like I liked that that the character was played up as really ditzy and very played up her girlishness a lot, and yet was actually really emotionally intelligent. Like I enjoyed that character beat to her, but then mm-hmm. as with all of them, they never explored that further. That was the totality of her, which I guess we have to go to the manga to get any more. Damn them! They're mm-hmm. then they're effective marketing machines. <laughs> how the machine's built to work yeah i get the impression that the manga doesn't really does exactly the sort of the same thing it just sort of devolves from essentially any relationship conflicts and just goes into other characters and developing their relationship i wasn't mad about it i enjoyed like everything so far that harimia has offered me i'm only two episodes away from finishing it and yeah i i think it's uh i think it's a really good show actually i really enjoy it and i think that um it's really sweet, it's really adorable, and uh, it shows actually relationships progressing. Um, and I, I guess I couldn't have asked for mm. much more. Um, so that's, that's my take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like you, you say relationships pr- progressing. Like, Was there like a, ever a big conflict? Or is that just like maybe asking for a bit too much? Like asking for, for them to have bumps in their road rather than just... Moments where they realise each other's insecurities. But I think there's. I think that that's what they are going for. I don't think that's the intent of the show is to show conflict and have arguments and have big fallings out and to have a sort of soap esque relationship. Yeah, and and also like the a lot of the friction of the show was about people overcoming their own self doubt and their own lack of confidence and you know getting used to the idea that hey maybe this other person actually likes me for me because like a lot of the the sort of the drama of the first few episodes is hori and miyamura trying to figure out how to act around each other until they realize that like oh i could just be normal and i could just be with this person and be comfortable and this is and that's scary and it's weird yeah and it was it was cute it was so well it was beautifully animated and, and shot that way and i really loved it and I love the way that you know, Hobby was uh, that Hobby was like to Miyamura, like you, you gotta, you if I like it when you you're nasty, I want to see I want to see this like gap <laughs> yeah. and you know like okay he was like really rude to her at school and she was like like it's it's those weird sort of like odd things in a relationship that like they exist within mm-hmm. relationships. Couples have weird things and like weird in-jokes and weird references that you won't get because you're not as close to someone. Yeah. All right. Well, how about we move on to Jujutsu Kaisen? I also didn't watch this one, but y'all did and yeah. seemed to enjoy yeah. it a lot. Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, it started off, I felt, I, I didn't know where it was going because it kind of is like one of these weird self-defeating things where the main character has to die or is going to die at the end of the show. So it feels sort of self-prophesizing in a way, but... Actually, the the way that it does that is really fun. He does die. He does die once. <laughs> a little. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the thing that really, uh, really, really shone, as a lot of these sort of shonen mangas do, is when they get to the training arc with the other mm-hmm. school. Just like in Naruto, like, One Piece has done it. Like, they all fucking do it. They have a big... They have a show with, like, another school. 
and uh, it introduces Tendo, which I know is John, uh, John's favorite character. It introduces a whole bunch of sort of like training and arcs and characters that were just really lovable mm-hmm. and enjoyable uh, and had eye-wateringly beautiful yeah. animation throughout, constantly throughout. And there were some episodes where, unlike, you know, when we were talking, I was talking about slime real quickly, I was like, oh, it's just going to be a battle between two people I don't care about. This one was like, oh, it's going to be a battle between two people I don't care about. That's great because it's going to look fucking beautiful. <laughs> One of the best examples of how to knock a shonen out of the park. And I think they've announced a new movie nice. as well. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which is going to go into, I think, Gendo's mm. background. Uh, the guy with the sexy eyes. Yeah, uh, like an, an example of like the godlike character who's like a side character done well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I really, I, I really, really liked how like there are so many like Naruto comparisons you can make. You have like the main character who has the big bad mm. locked up inside him and everybody's scared of him and you have the like the gloomy kid who is part of the like important family but he doesn't want to like have their legacy and you but then you have like and on top of that as as well as another sasuke xp he also trains hard and is like really really good but only because he trains mm-hmm. so hard but but then but yeah like one thing was actually really nice as well is that like the the female character of the trio is a what's her name like i'm trying to find Nobara. Nobara, yeah. Like, she is, like, she's competent. She is uh, capable. And there's zero, like, love triangle bullshit. Like, up, like in the three of them, you, like, you know, there, two of them are constantly ganging up on the other one. Like, she has her own, like, awesome moments. The, like, Gojo, their teacher, is, like, you know, obviously a Kakashi, like, xp as well but like has that sort of like you know goofy irreverence but you know hiding a uh, you know nearly godlike ability to to uh, fight and like yeah. you know his you know his kind of like karate kid like training of like i'm gonna have you do this thing that seems weird and then it turns out that it was actually secretly the best training ever kind of stuff but like it's just it's just executed <laughs> so well and it's got a baseball episode which is the best kind of filler episode and I, I just, I can't. It wasn't filler. Yeah. Well, there is no filler in this. But like when the when the when the second season started, it's... and they were like, "We're gonna do a school rumble," and I was like, "Ugh, I do not care about this." And then they have the baseball episode because they was Gojo was like, "Having you do one on one battles is boring, so we're gonna play baseball instead." And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I love this TV show." I can't believe you were like, "Oh, not this." Ugh. Like, but, like I've seen that so many times and like they always feel like they're treading yeah, water and they're and always then, like, fucking excellent. Uh, uh, yeah. They're always but excellent. I, I, that's, a, that's an extreme statement, Andy. <laughs> I would I would I would say that because like they did their team battle and they had the cool fights between the characters and then they were like, oh, now we're gonna do the one on one fights. Nope, actually psych, we're gonna have a baseball episode instead. And I was like, yeah. fuck yes. I'm with Jeff on, <laughs> on this one though. I'm I'm glad we, we skipped it's the one-on-one battles because I, I think that's that's all about like oh th- that most nerdy of, of of questions who's the who would beat who in a fight like oh yeah. no no that's 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 not a good nerdy question to try and no, answer. Sorry, don't don't get don't get don't get me wrong. I I don't I don't hate it that they didn't do one-on-one fights. I love the fact that they went with the baseball episode. I thought that was fucking genius. <laughs> like the the levels of jokes. Like every time they showed them, they had like a Koshien-esque sort of like description of them and sort of like some really dumb like joke in the subtitle that 
to Crunchy's credit, they did a good job translating those to actually funny jokes that made some com- some sense. It just was a shame they weren't on there long enough for me yeah. to eat them. And uh, and but but also like in this like joke episode where they're playing baseball, you still got the little character moments that were important later on and built up on it. And it, like there was no like you were saying like there was no filler. Everything like every episode was necessary. Every episode was great. Like I've. I, I don't usually get hooked on these kinds of shows. Like I watched both seasons of this fairly rapidly in a pretty heavy season because it was so compelling and so great. Like, and also it was interesting you mentioning about Nobara being like a potentially weak female character because uh, the last fight you see is uh, Yuji and Nobara, and the thing that Mids and me were kind of saying as we were going into that episode was just like, oh, well, we got this weak character, the weak female character who's now going to get the shit mm-hmm. beaten out of her. But no, she fucking like n- literally sticks nails into her arms to defeat an enemy. And yeah. Absolutely incredible. I fucking loved it. And, and I don't think even Yuji lifted a finger. I don't think he did anything. <laughs> she's She's got almost this, this punk slash uh, uh, delinquent yeah. vibe to her. Yeah, like the Sakuban. Or is it, yeah, what? absolutely but loved yeah. it. And yeah, and, and she's yeah, she's like the, the anti Sakura, where like somebody was just like, okay, this is what makes a shitty female, like female character, and she's like, she's on the level of the other characters, she's important, she's capable, she has like great character moments, and all of the like the side characters as well, like are well developed. Like even if they only have like a couple episodes, like you get a feel for why you care about them, and yeah, like it's as for like a shonen battler, like I would say it's probably the my favorite that I've watched in 10 years easily. And also it was sort of like funny. There's, there's a few scenes that there was one scene where I think Gojo gets a call from um, one of the other characters. Uh, He was just like, I've transferred the money into your account. And it was like a really weird scene, but then like Twitter blew up on that. The people who read the manga were like, I fucking, yes, this, this is the start of everything. (laughs) This is it. And I was just, uh, and I'm just excited like to see where Mm -hmm. it goes. Uh, beautiful show. Moving on to another beautiful show, V Zero Two. You did, you did good, Andy. Um, You've earned it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it ended. Yep. Yeah, that was fine. Right. Uh, so next thing. Um, <laughs> actually, genuinely, I, I don't have anything to say. I think it was fine. It ended in a way that was as expected. Yeah, like it ends the way every arc of ReZero ends, where they figure out the golden path and then they do it and then they go to the next thing. And it's just like, oh, there was like there's the scary monster and there was like the seemingly like Gordian knot that he figures out how to solve with friendship and guts. And it just it just took it took 24 episodes to get to the end of this. Like because like like in the first like couple episodes, I think of the like the first half the first half of the season they're like oh we're gonna go to this place and we're gonna be stuck here and then it's just like him trying to like Subaru trying to figure out how to like you know stop the crisis where they are and also back at the mansion where like the other characters are and they spend like 24 episodes like figuring that out and then they eventually do and it's like good and like I honestly like and I felt kind of similar with the first uh season where like I can't really tell if I'm mm-hmm. like exalted because i think the writing is good or i'm just relieved that that arc is over and there's something different is going to happen now this season it was relief that they got to the end i think it had a stronger start than uh its end because witches are cool and funny uh the rest of the cast aren't that's that's a slightly glib <laughs> uh take on it but a more 
Thorough one is that they spent a little bit too much time giving everyone's backstories in the second half of the, the show. And I think like having some mystery to the world when we're following a newcomer to that world is a good thing for keeping the audience with with him. Like him not knowing about why all these things are going on, but yet still staking his his colours to Amelia's cause. It's actually kind of like a enjoyable attribute of uh, Saru. He's just essentially love at first sight, decided he's going to be this girl's knight. And part of what made the first season so great was him getting mercilessly beat down for his presumption and what we've now got is his presumptions being kind of scaled back a bit and him f- they finally cap him with being with him being made her knight for realsy this time and i'm not sure how i feel about that mm. the message of him changing from trying to take everything on himself to trust bringing others in and using their strengths and powers is yeah, it's, it's growth. It's, that's good. That's what we want to see from our characters. But the way they actually handled that was a little contrived. I really enjoyed the penultimate episode. I enjoyed the resolution to Beatrice um, from her her deciding finally to step out of her library and uh, where this character's is arc is she's been told that one day um, someone will come to lead her out of this uh this this pocket dimension library by her witch mother and she's believed that and she's not wanted to to leave there because it's she's scared of of the fact that she's immortal and everyone around her will die so whoever she picks will die and whoever is most important to her will waste away and she'll lose them and she's incredibly scared of of loss Subaru's kind of like a good person to to break that to come through to her and say like live for the moment and that was great to see them sort of like out of this burning mansion where you've had these massive fights going on for two episodes crumbling down and around them having this this like fireball shoot up through through the ceiling and across the landscape was it was really just corny but nice nice visual and then this you see like the everyone getting surrounded and like this thunderbolt from the sky thumbing down and that him appearing and doing his typical little pose in, in front of of everyone and just like i'm here now the hero's here and and her being like uh no step back i've got this and that was that was a great little, little thing unfortunately they undermined it in the final episode by him actually being like uh i'm still gonna do this and i'm gonna deal with this infinite horde of rabbits by putting a fence around them and we're gonna yeah, never and, and we'll put them into space that's that's something which maybe he sounded smart in text, but on screen was really underwhelming. Yeah, it was a bit. Yeah. It was a bit weird for um, them to so quickly destroy a monster that there was this undefeatable horde of rabbits. Uh, well, they weren't rabbits, but whatever. Like uh, that was completely insatiable, hungry, and that the yeah. Mathers. Uh, guy was the person who was co- was causing the rabbits to come and, and to mm-hmm. eat everybody. Yeah, he did. Because the the two Beatrix and um, I can't remember Ro- what's his name. Roswell. Uh, Roswell. Thank you. Roswell both have copies of this book that supposedly tells the future, and that is what they've been clinging on to from their master, the, the witch. Um, 
echidna. Thank you. I mean, you're, you're kind of underselling one thing there, which is that uh, Roswell's actually did have like a pro- an exact prophecy of how things should un- unfold, and he was trying to complete that. Whereas um, Beatrice's was blank, and that that was always like the the kicker uh, to her particular distress. So as you were saying, like uh, Roswell's was determined to carry it out because he thinks it will bring Echidna back to him because she, she's died and he was in love with her. And the way that the, the rabbit and Roswell are resolved are the worst bits. Like the rabbit feels really contrived. And the Roswell thing is throughout the series, there's been this relationship between uh, one of the two maid sisters. Ram and Rem are yeah. both captured by him because of and because he wanted maids to live in perpetuate servi- perpetual servitude of his house and it just so happened that ram fell in love with him they're there and he's like you shouldn't love your master this isn't true love this is just forcing yourself into feeling this way about someone and she's like no this is actually how i feel i actually love you and it was a really sweet moment and i actually felt that they undersold that moment by her not getting yeah, because yeah, yeah, her, her, her kind of her, her 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 final gesture against him being like, "This is the thing which is most important for you, and yeah, you are so blinded but... by it, you've underestimated me and my feelings for you, and I'm going to take it from you, and I'm going to destroy it, burn it. Then you're going to completely lose it, and you're going to kill me, but that will free you. And yeah. they have her live, and so it, it undermines that sacrifice. It didn't. It felt. It did feel cheap, but uh, I like the fact that it went into Emilia's past. I like the fact that it went. It you know, uh, he pucks past. I like the fact that it went into people's backstories because I thought that was really interesting. Uh, ultimately, I, I want to see where it goes more. When it like, I it feels weird. Like, well, they have this really important thing of oh, we've got to save Rem, and then that kind of gets forgotten because they then go into this massive other fucking bundle of mess that they have to solve and it feels like rem was a massive player in part one and is people love rem yeah and it now feels like she's literally a potato yeah she's yeah she's like in a living death basically they like on her way home from the big battle in the first season she becomes a vegetable and yeah just like spends the rest of the season in bed i think the the idea of it is to say you thought this was the bad guy but in fact this huge monster they took armies to kill was just like a pet of the bad guys they they just brush her and two of the most powerful characters from that first arc aside and one of the things we get in this arc was the main villain from the first arc um uh Juice, uh, Beetlejuice, who yeah. is just this madman in the first first season. He's just this giggling fiend who who says that everything he does is for love. And in this season, we get to see, see him in Amelia's past as just this gentle um, kind of stumbling. Yeah, I I liked seeing him transform to the person that we knew before he died. I I really enjoyed that. Uh, I thought it was really good. You get to see like some tragedy to this character like because he's in love in love with Amelia's foster mother and their relationship and being important mother fortuna yeah mother fortuna how him and mother fortuna's relationship is sweet has persisted in a in a moderate way like it's kind of it's not intense it's not love at first sight it's this growing admiration they've known each other for years and it, and 
like they know each other's foibles and it's this moment where because he takes this power into himself it kind of exaggerates his feelings and that allows him to be tricked into to killing her it's not like a wholly original take but it's it's still all far more than most villains are actually given um and i i think like that's the the hope for ReZero, despite its messiness of plot i think that he's got a lot of love and lore and backstory that he wants to tell for these characters i think it's a plot that is told in such a way that is really intriguing and is unique I want to say, like, video games sort of, like, Dark souls way of, of having it really dense in one area. This, it was like, oh, we're stuck here. But also, I didn't mind the fact that it, it very much wanted to indulge its time in this sanctuary uh, to explain and unveil the characters and the people you care about. My final word is I felt, felt it more like a compilation of stories than a, a cohesive nar- narrative this second half. But... It it ended fine enough, so... I agree with you there, but I didn't mind that so much when you've got a whole realm of characters who you have been invested with for a season, two seasons now, and there's always been baggage there, and you want to know what it is. And it just so happened that the Sanctuary was where everyone's baggage lies, <laughs> uh, whether mm. purposeful or not. So, But great show. Speaking um, of shows where... That successfully Baggage. weaved together a bunch of different characters' stories into a cohesive narrative. We go on to the last <laughs> show of our of our yeah. La- last but not least, we uh, have communicated our anxiety about Wonder Egg priority a lot. I think over the past season, um, and here we are at what is technically the end of the show's twelve episode core, uh, except. Because of production difficulties, there was a recap episode, there's, so there's going to be a second half to the fin- final episode at the end of June, and we're left with, I wouldn't even call it a cliffhanger, it's just the story's not finished mm-hmm. at this point, uh, but at least we can talk about how the show has been leading up to this, and especially the revelations of the penultimate, now the pen penultimate episode, uh, episode 11, Spot a penguin. Uh, where we find out... The nature of yes, yes, where they find out we find out the nature of Akka and Ura Akka, what they're doing, how they relate mm. to the eggs, um, the the dreams, this culture of stylized self harm among teenage girls that that the uh, our four protagonists are encountering. Um, does anyone have any have any strong feelings about this? My only feelings that I, I was slightly. I was slightly disappointed that this is the way that they wanted the show to end in some sort of character that is causing people to die. I was just hoping for something slightly different, but I'm fine with it. See, this was something that the Anime News Network reviewer reacted very strongly to, um, of this idea that after all of this, all of these Monster of the Week things showing the different societal pressures that push young women towards self-harm and suicide, that... We find out that these two department store dummies who are, in fact, the prolonged lives of these of these men who are these geniuses who've built the system that they built a girl and Frankenstein like I would disagree that it's not it's not Pygmalion or Pinocchio. It's very much Frankenstein here. She is out there. And I think they specifically describe her as the temptation of death 
Mm-hmm. And so it's the idea that it's not even that she's making people. She's just putting like a single one gram weight on the scale. And, you know, it's tipping it for hundreds of girls out there. I don't know. It's not necessarily fault. It's more of the idea of your own mistakes coming back to haunt you. In Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the monster tells Frankenstein that that I will be there on your wedding night and I will take your happiness from you, um, which is why it's incredible, incredible to me that in that anime news network review, he's like, nah, it's not. It's not Frankenstein. She's a cute girl. Frankenstein's a monster. Come on. Um, but, <laughs> Can't be considered but yeah, how cute she just is. this uh, this little girl who's named uh, Frell uh, is responsible for for killing one of the men's wives and then later through uh, more arcane means killing killing their daughter and yeah it's it's i don't know i thought it was an interesting escalation i'm surprised at how little the the nominal finale episode 12 carried that forward it instead is kind of a different story about i encountering herself from a parallel universe where she did kill herself and having a i would honestly say fairly cute uh moment of self-discovery there that ends with her resolving to to be a warrior of eros a warrior of love and fight against thanatos decide to take a stand against this set of forces that neither she nor we fully understand. And it was interesting, too, because at the beginning of the season, it seemed obviously pretty fraught where, you know, there was a moment where there's they were saying, oh, you know, girls and boys kill themselves for different reasons. And there was this weird sort of prescriptiveness to it. But then later on, it's revealed that this whole system is based on the preconceptions of these two guys who created what was their idea of the ideal daughter she couldn't live up to you know the real thing and so they rejected her and so she turns her pain outwards and attacks other girls for whatever her own reasons are we don't really get a lot of interiority on her at all but Mm -hmm. the fact that all of these things are the result of two guys and so much of the abuse that's delivered on the girls who are introduced throughout the show are direct victims of male violence of systems of patriarchy you know from my own standpoint like i can recognize this as being like an interesting and clever way dealing with these things i honestly cannot really like tell if the way they're doing it Mm -hmm. is too ham-handed or too insensitive or too shocking to be respectful like i could not argue with somebody saying like i can't watch the show because it's too raw or it's too thoughtless in the way it does this because like absolutely because like the the showrunner is a guy writing about guys hurting women and part of being in that whole system that we're all in is that we do stuff without realizing it and even when we're trying to talk about it we will probably do it badly yeah i i do i do wonder because People's gendered assumptions of what of what Wonder Egg has to say only really erupted when there is a cute girl who we're reminded repeatedly is an ageless robot and emphatically not a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where people are like, oh, no, this is this shows like losing its way in terms of gender politics. When we already have women who are the villains, it's just the idea that the person at the top who's ultimately responsible is not a man, I think got a much stronger reaction than I expected. Cause like she looks like a little girl, but she's not. That's, that's like the point. It's the point. It's that we automatically have different assumptions about the morality and purpose of actions when we dress them up in innocent neotenous femininity. I really want to hold off until I've seen the the finale finale yeah. three months from now yeah. to say anything 
And it does feel like playing with fire, Jeff, is the, the sense I got from what you were saying of like, mm-hmm. who knows if it if it keeps you warm or burns you. And that's our impression for all of Wonder Egg, only more so, yeah. heightened ever more. <laughs> that that scene of Aka beating a child was distressing and was not nice. But then I think that's the point. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. You should, you should keep in, you should keep interrogating. Like, I know this this is this is a a middle aged robot who has killed two people, why, why, when I put the mask of her, of a, of a 14 year old girl, does it suddenly like, why do suddenly these crimes become immaterial next to the, the visceral reaction to a man kicking a little girl in the mm-hmm. gut? Like, I think that they're, you're supposed to unpack that. And I think that at least some of the commentators that I've seen have just like been like, well, that's a bad thing, obviously. So there's my analysis. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's dismissive, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my final thought is is it's it is problematic, but I want to say in a weird way it's like a good problematic in which it brings opens up a discussion, and, and even if it maybe doesn't address it in a very nice way or very succinctly or very cleanly, like at least there's something trying to address it, and that's better than nothing addressed. Yeah. I feel like the the discourse around the show has kind of just got dragged into this almost black hole by that uh, 11th episode and its dissonance with what people expected. And I think that particularly threw them when the 12th episode didn't go the way people uh, thought it might either. Like I've said with that throughout, the way they they drew and acted um, her teacher, Soaki, has always been creepy as all fuck. Like he, mm-hmm. he, stranger danger, red lights going off, and their resolution to that is: I chooses to believe the best of him rather than the worst. And I think a lot of people are like, I'm not sure that's what you should be taking from this. But that's, I think, too much thinking about what is right in a diffused moral sense and more what is right in terms of eyes, character growth, that entire episode showing how here was this incredibly alone kid who had a crush on her teacher and who mm-hmm. was jealous of her friend and who all throughout out this show there's been this undercurrent of these little shots slipped in here and there of was she jealous of her friend who got killed was her friend who got killed jealous of her all these feelings of negativity and were was one using one or was one using the other what she determines in the end is not let her darker self win to trust that koito was pure to trust that Soaki's feelings towards her mother is is pure, and that he do, he was he is not this monster. That what she fights in that final episode is her fears of what he could be, and mm-hmm. how those fears drove her to isolate herself even more in another reality, and to who push herself into a place where her distrust of others and her inability to emphasize made her kill herself and i think that's deliberately shown in contrast to to frill i's decision to see the best in people and to want her mum and her and soaki to 
who be this a new, a, this new family forming around her and to be to bless them unlike frill who when she sees that happening kills one of them whose failure to value anyone's feelings apart from those she's been programmed to like mm-hmm. and i think it's also important that we never actually know for sure that the teacher does not have any kind of dark desire because you know there is a art show that he takes her to and says you know i want you to see one of my paintings and it's a painting of her but drawn to look like her mother who he is currently in a romantic relationship with and that's one of the things that's pressuring mm. i and... i found that really creepy <laughs> oh yeah it is a hundred percent creepy like there's a very good reason why you should not maybe a hundred percent trust him for sure but it's the fact that you know she's choosing to put her faith in her mother's decision making and letting that happen and not trying to control everything which like Duncan was saying is direct contrast to Frill and by extension to Akka and Uraka, who were trying to like prescriptively a create the perfect daughter and then b create the warriors of Eros to try and like clean up their fuck up. Whereas these guys are just kind of stuck on the sidelines, making things worse and worse and worse. What Wonder Egg says to me in some of how the fandoms reacted to it, um, like the, when you ev- evoke a trope, when you invoke a trope. People want to see it played out in a certain way. And I think a lot of the react- reaction to Wondering Priority is like, yes, Sawaki Sensei evokes the creepy teacher trope. And so people are like, seem to be actually almost morally or ethically disturbed not to have the payoff of the of the uh, of the creepy teacher trope. And in, at first, we think we're supposed to go along with it because I also like one of the reasons she wants to resurrect Koito with her actions is so she can ask her like, hey, did Sawaki Sensei rape you or, or did, was there some sort of inappropriate relationship? Like she wants to understand what her creepy teacher's role was in her friend's suicide. And what we see her in the last episode is her decision that like there are other factors mitigating just the execution mm-hmm. of the trope as we would expect it. And I think people see that as an apology or an excuse rather than just an attempt to do a more subtle kind of storytelling where we don't have set up payoff, set up payoff, set up payoff. We have things that exist murkily or that sit on our thoughts, but never really go away. It kind of, it's not asking um, whose fault it is that all these girls are killing themselves. I think that's an immaterial question. We see it's, 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 it's dozens of factors and some of them have, some of them have, I hesitate to say this. Some of them have valid reasons for seeking the, the extremes of self-harm. Some of them seem to have shallow or impulsive reasons for killing themselves, um, or they just weren't self-aware or they were pressured. But I think the show is smart not to be, not to want to weigh in on, it would be really bad if they if they fought a, ba- a boss and fixed suicide everywhere. Yeah. And I think the show is, is trying to set us up that like, there is no, yeah. there is no final boss. You're not going to defeat the, the 14th angel. And now no one kills themselves anymore. That's ridiculous. But I think that's what people are built to. They, they see these setups. They see this mystery. They see these, these sinister dudes. They find out yeah. that they have a, a, a rogue creation and we're being mm. set up for a conclusion that I really hope doesn't happen. And I actually genuinely doubt that like, they're going to beat up, beat yeah. up Mecha Frill. And then a sad girl's going to, we're going to see a sad girl be happy and then pan up to the sky. And that's the end of the show. Um, <laughs> it did sort of feel like, uh, season, like episode 11, that 
she was the reason of schoolgirl suicide, which isn't what they were saying, but like misunderstanding their intentions. Or just the trope setups. That is how you yeah. feel. Yeah, it was a trope. And I feel that if this was, um, this was a show that was done before Twitter. This was a show like done in the nineties. I think this will get a lot more respect and clout than it has. <laughs> but then now. even shows from the nineties, like they go back and we were watching, yeah. and like these people who made this were monsters. Judging by <laughs> our in our like pop like cultural critique before we talk to, before we talk too much about twitter uh just uh, just to andy <laughs> what andy's saying um i think uh one thing about episode 11 which you have to remember at all times is we're being told all this by uh, one of the actors that's you mm-hmm. yeah yeah the nicer one but still untrustworthy <laughs> the one who is telling you why they think they need they need to do this that he believes his own hype he he believes this is something they need to do he's been convinced like this is a tragedy which they have brought into the world and they need to fix the hubris isn't just the creation of frill it's the the hubris is that they have to fix frill that that they have to fix what she is doing rather than accepting that there is tragedy within the world which we can't control and that that's not something you can scientifically fix and there, as ben said you can't can't go and kill all, all the angel of suicide the and, god of suicide yeah, yeah. yeah you get the feeling they knew what they were doing i think they realized they launched a monster but they didn't really understand how to defeat that monster that was well, I th- my i think, I think he means take. the I think he means like the the Wonder Egg program of like trying to save these girls who've committed suicide. Oh, right. That like, but we don't understand. And honestly, we have to take it on faith that they know what they're doing, as Duncan said. And they don't seem yeah. to. The fact that now they're fighting between each other, well, not fighting, yeah. but like there is there is disagreement and there is a, there is a seeming split in motives. I think is important. I think uh, I don't know. I, I'm I, I I said before, and I then I talked a bunch, but I'll say it again. Like I'm I'm hesitant to weigh in on it because I don't know what's going to happen except that I think that there are a lot of tropes here that people are going to see as botched payoff. And I think that they're meant to be a sign of that things are messier and that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be looking so hard for heroes and villains. Um, I don't think that I's commitment to being a warrior of Eros, which is very appropriate given her name, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know if her, that commitment is going to be her choosing to get in the robot to, to take uh, example of another show that was very popular in the 90s but would be definitely cancelled on Twitter today uh, so totally agree I and I think it's, there are shows that are like this that are not trying to toe the lines of what a trope is and how to resolve those tropes and I don't know it's just a weird sort of like world that we live in where a story exists and it has to end this way Yeah. when mm-hmm. you and if it doesn't end that way then it's bad I think is like a weird way of looking at a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we covered we covered everything. That's Ugh. all the shows. If if someone told you that there was more anime last season, they were wrong and lying. This is every show. <laughs> we could publish it as an encyclopedia. Every single one. <laughs> so remember, rate, review, subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on mm. Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions. Tell us how we're bad people for liking uh, where Wonder Egg Priority is going uh, at keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, tell a friend. But not just any friend, Ben. I, I would tell the friend who, call- who says priority, like priority. 
and tell them that they're wrong. Uh, we don't need to get into this, do we? British. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs>